Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. I hope you're doing well. Bit of an anticlimactic free agency period for Brad Stevens and the Celtics thus far, unless you're a diehard Enos Cantor fan, which we'll get into. Nonetheless, there's plenty to talk about. The why, the why not, the plan. There's a lot up in the air. Joining me for all of that and more, Mike, aka Wayne Spoonie. Spoons, how you doing, sir? Welcome back. Thank you, man. I am doing great. Uh... I absolutely am totally prepared to talk about the plan or plans, <laughs> whatever they may be, because uh, I thought I knew, and then I saw we're you know offering the max extension to Smart. So I think we've got a lot to talk about, despite our only signing being the legend himself, Enos Cantor. Yeah, that's right. With Schroeder potentially sort of hovering on the horizon there, and that could happen throughout the course of this podcast. So between you and me, we'll have to keep an eye on, on Celtics Reddit and Twitter there. Um, to get into it, let's just start very broad here. The Celtics letting Evan Fournier walk and then not bringing in any supporting cast members, um, despite a multitude of candidates being available. Just in general, how are you feeling throughout the course of this free agency period? So I, I really liked Fournier's fit on the team, right? I, I thought he fit very well, especially, of course, offensively with the Jays. But what I will say is, he represents sort of the same thing that Kemba represented, and that's a half measure, right? Ever since Kyrie bolted, and especially since Hayward bolted, I feel like we've kind of been scrambling for what should be the next phase of Celtics basketball. When Kyrie left, you know, perhaps it was more prudent to just say, you know what, we're shifting to full-on Jays, let's go a little younger and see what happens. But we brought in Kemba. It worked. I mean, it worked for the first year, right? We were yep. two games away from the finals. And this year, it very much did not work. So <laughs> I will say um, I don't love short-term us not bringing in Fournier. I think the team will be, you know, will hurt next season for it. But I do think, well, I hope that it bodes for setting us up better long term because 20 million dollars a year for evan fournier that's a big opportunity cost yeah yeah and you know brad stevens of the celtics have sort of come out saying you know our ultimate goal our ultimate plan is to have cap flexibility moving forward into you know this season and subsequent seasons and yet others say the fournier contract at 20 million dollars per year is a nice first of all he's a nice talented player to have on the team and it's a nice tradable size of salary that we could have, which, you know, in a way you, you could consider as flexibility. So, like, do you get a sense of what the plan is? Because it seems like there's people on either side of the fence there as far as whether to have or to have not signed Fournier. So, my sense is objective number one is to avoid the tax this season. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the owners being cheap or whether that is so we can go on a spending spree next offseason, 
you know, that is yet to be found out. But that seems to be the first part of the plan, for better or for worse. Hmm. After that, I do think Brad's telling us the truth. He wants to be as flexible as possible, right? Everyone's fixated on Beal, but guys become available that you don't see happening. I mean, all it takes is Carl Anthony Towns to be like, you know what? I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And do we have enough? Do we have the pile of assets to go get him? Maybe not, but I do think we're in a better position, at least financially, to make a deal like that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe we're in possession of all of our first round picks uh, moving yep. forward, which obviously helps to uh, to spice up any trade offers that we might offer there. Uh, Reddit user Sam Kaifel wrote, it's not a good plan at all, if I'm being honest with you. Letting good players walk for nothing makes no sense at all. Our depth is already thin to begin with. Um, and then Ryan Bernardoni, uh, Danger Cart, followed up on Twitter um, you know, after the sort of events of the last couple of days saying, my actual read on the Celtics plan is that they are representing the threat of max space to corner the Wizards and scare off other suitors with plan A being to acquire Beal via a trade or a 2022 sign and trade, going scorched earth for signing him outright being plan B and Zach Levine at 30% maybe being plan C there. So you're you're a bit of a cap guy, Wayne Spoonie. Like, can you can you explain to us the sort of the the difference and the benefits of the Celtics in, in doing a sign and trade this season uh, as opposed to going scorched earth and, and signing Beal outright at the end of the season? All right, so there's really three paths we could do with Bradley Beal, um, and I will say the smart if he accepts that extension, signing him outright is possible, but it is way 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 more difficult. So. Mm-hmm. I think we can almost eliminate that option from the table, but uh, scenario number one is we trade from now until the trade deadline for him. And that means he's on his current contract, so all we have to do is match salaries, and we can do that very easily with Horford and Josh, Josh Richardson. So that Richardson deal could come in handy. That'd be a nice use of the TPE because you can't stack a TPE with a player's contract, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't add on a TPE to Al Horford's contract to get to Bradley Beal's salary, but you can obviously stack Josh Richardson's contract with Al Horford to get to that number. So I think that's part of what Brad's thinking was bringing in Richardson, other than, I guess, you know, he's kind of a decent player. So that's scenario number one. We go those two guys, uh, but that would really require Beal to say, I'm signing with the Celtics. I'm forcing my way there no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. So that obviously costs us a ton in picks, probably Langford, hopefully not my guy Neesmith, but Mm -hmm. it would be asset intensive, but not as asset intensive as signing him because that would require us renouncing Smart, renouncing Richardson, probably renouncing Rob. Um, but that's what Danger Cart's getting at is in order for Beal to have that threat to say, I'm forcing my way to the Celtics, you almost have to be able to, you know, make that cap room and have that threat have some teeth. So yep. the other option is a sign and trade, which is what I think is probably going to end up being the most likely thing. And a sign and trade, the downside of that, unlike a midseason trade, is the good thing is. Beal will have to sign with the Wizards because they have his bird rights. So they can sign him for any number they want. They can sign him for the max. And then they'll trade him to us at that number. 
we'll have to match salaries. Ostensibly, if we, because we did not sign Fournier, we may have a little bit of cap space, so we might not have to make up his full salary and contracts going back. But Horford will probably have to be in that deal to make up whatever the difference is. The problem is it hard caps us at 142, $143 million. So I haven't looked at the tight numbers, but th- I mean, that's totally a possibility. We could absolutely do a sign and trade without bringing Fournier back. Had we signed Fournier, sign and trade's probably completely off the table. And I think when Brad says flexibility, what he's thinking is, okay, I've got the contracts to do it midseason. And now I've put myself in a position by not bringing back Fournier to execute a sign and trade next offseason if it comes available. And if, if Smart signs that extension, we can still probably trim enough salary to sign him outright. But man, it's going to get, uh, we're going to have like no first yeah. round picks until like 2040. Next decade. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then some maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I appreciate you laying it out that way because there is a lot of confusion. There's a lot of noise out there as to, you know, not only what the plan is, but, you know, what um, steps need to be executed to get where we want to go. And I think that's what I really like about it is that it's so open-ended and that there are multiple pathways to ultimately, you know, I guess the ultimate goal, it seems, is to get three all-stars, three high-caliber players on the team and then build around them in whatever way you can. Um, but just to be at that point where it is so open-ended and there is so much flexibility compared to, you know, less than less than a year ago, a few months ago, really coming off the end of Ainge's tenure, where we were really sort of in a, in a tight corner there as far as what was possible um, in terms of movements to to get the team over the hump. Um, and I, my biggest question is, is like, what's the alternative? There's there's a lot of anxiety around the fan base at the moment, and. Like personally, I even had to sort of walk away from like Twitter and Reddit for a couple of days just to sort of get my mind right. Like, and do we blow our load on every attainable free agent now while Tatum and Brown are young and under contract for a few more years? Like, if we'd sign Fournier and say Patty Mills, like, are we suddenly competing with the Nets, the Bucks, and the Lakers? And to those who say yes, are you telling me that Fournier and Patty Mills are the difference? Not really. So, you know, when you look at other teams, like, the Knicks and, and the Pelicans who have done that and have just sort of scrambled to grab whoever is available to build around their teams. Like they're not championship contenders and yet they have no flexibility going forward really and the possibility of having disgruntled stars in the near future. So I like that we're being a little bit patient and that we're not just sort of pulling the trigger on the first thing that is available. But I understand the, the frustration from fans. It kind of reminds me of um, Christmas Day in my family. So quick side story. My Please. sister and I are, are the, um, obviously the children of my father, who was the oldest of his, um, of his siblings. So he's one of four. And so there was a period of time where we were the only kids at family Christmas and all of his brothers, all the relatives would bring presents for me and my sister being the only kids. And it was just, it was like the best day of the year there was, you know, tens of presents, dozens of presents for each of us under the tree, all directly for us because no one else really cared as adults about getting presents. Um, and then gradually, as my uncles, my father's brothers, had kids, uh, the the diversion of presents to my sister and I started to slowly get diluted and drift off towards my younger cousins, where now, to this day, I'm an adult. I'm sitting there watching all the kids open presents. There are no presents for me. A little bit free agency was like that this year. We didn't get to open any presents. We got to watch all of our little siblings and cousins open all the presents instead. That's very frustrating. 
Um, but it is what it is. And, you know, not, not sorry. true. We got a pair of socks. We got Enos Cantor. <laughs> we did. Yeah, we got to stack up the undies drawer, which yeah, is always, exactly. always important. <laughs> Enos Cantor, uh, I will a fresh say pair you, of undies. You bring up, you bring up uh, several amazing points. But one thing I want to say is that our fan base, for whatever reason, has this weird entitlement to yes. every single free agent that is available like why don't we sign kelly Ubre? well he signed for 13 million a year and our <laughs> max we can sign anyone is 10 million a year for the mle so mm-hmm. we literally could not sign him so <laughs> I, I just don't understand like i think it just comes with like you know people want to get excited they want it to your point they want to unwrap a present even if it's a bad present but it's in really nice packaging they want to unwrap that thing and sometimes it's not the best for the team. Sometimes it would be bad for the team, like Kelly Oubre at $13 million a year. Good luck, yeah. Charlotte. Then you've got to do that thing where you sort of awkwardly have to pretend that you like the present to the person giving it to you, even though secretly you hate it and you want to give it back. It's a terrible position to be in. So He's I, I very like good looking, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Makes threes a little bit. Yeah, so... I think, uh, not that anyone listens to the advice that we give out on this pod, but my advice to the disgruntled Celtics fan would be, obviously, be patient. We, we, uh, we haven't buried ourselves in, uh, in a cap hole like some of our, um, you know, like the, the teams that I just mentioned, the Knicks and the Pelicans have done, and we still uh, have left ourselves open to make the right decision when that opportunity becomes available. It's frustrating. That's not right now, but it's very likely down the road. And like we said, there are many options to get there. Yeah, and I'd I'd actually say Brad's done a good job of digging us out of the cap hell we were in uh, at you know two months ago. I mean that Kemba contract was real bad. We have a lot mm-hmm. of flexibility. We can stretch Horford, and it only costs us five million dollars a year for a few years. I mean we're in a much better place cap wise for sure. The Reddit user Queferoni wrote, uh, unpopular opinion, I do not want to commit 17 to $20 million per, multiple, uh, per year for multiple years for Evan Fournier. I'm completely okay with him signing elsewhere. Um, the Knicks got him for, I think it was about $18, $19 million a year for, I think, three years and then a team option on the fourth year there. Do you feel like that's yep. a good signing for the Knicks? Do you feel like he's going to be a contributor and, and really, um, I guess, like impact their, their seeding? Uh, next season so we found brad stevens burner you know he's trying to warn the <laughs> fan base <laughs> yeah Queferoni. brad's got a weird <laughs> sense of humor um so i actually i think the knicks are in a weird spot because they've sort of undermined what made them successful last season they were one of the best defensive teams in the league i think they were top five in defensive rating last year they just signed kemba walker and Evan Fournier to basically be their starting backcourt. So their offense was putrid. It was like 29th, right? So they'll probably, especially Fournier, might prop them up to mid-teens. But what's it going to do to their defense, right? So you go from one of the best in the league on defense, right? You're winning games with your defense to being a middling offensive team and a middling defensive team because Randall can't guard anybody either. So I I love Fournier as a player in a vacuum. I understand what the Knicks are doing, right? They got money. They have to spend it. 
you know, once you start extending guys, Barrett all of a sudden is going to come up for an extension that eats into your cap space. So you do got to spend it when you have it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of think that, you know, they may not take a step backwards, but I, I don't think this puts them into some different echelon of team. And there's a possibility it makes them worse. Yeah, and it's certainly not an incentive for their, you know, younger stars. I guess Barrett is, is you know, the one that you mentioned a second ago to re-sign. It's like, oh, I'm going to stay here now because we signed Evan Fournier and Derek Rose right. and Nolan right. Snow. It's like, <laughs> not sticking around for those guys. Um, but I think um, just back on Fournier for a second there, the, the biggest um, point of confusion in not re-signing him, like we sort of touched on earlier, was like, why wouldn't you bring back that tradable contract? Well, a Reddit user, Rust, 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 <clears throat> pardon me, wrote, depends on the player, really, because guys like Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams, they were two years, 35-ish, and both ended up being really negative assets and actually cost the Pelicans money to trade off of. Not saying that Evan Fournier necessarily fits in that category of player. He definitely has like a trendy NBA skill set for the modern game, but definitely, it's not a given that you're going to re-sign him and maintain sort of a net value um, out of that re-signing. So... Like we said, there's so much up on the air. There's so much to talk about. It's a very divisive topic in terms of the direction that the Celtics are going in. But it sounds like Spoonie, between you and I, was sort of generally positive overall in the immediate outlook. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we've got a lot, as Brad said, this is going to be the new word of the day, right? Flexibility. We've got it now, which is a good thing. (laughs) We should talk about the Marcus Smart extension a little bit. Um, And the latest news on that is from Mark Murphy, who tweeted a clarification. The Celtics await a response from Smart's agent, Jason Glushon, but are said to be willing to extend him for roughly $17 million a year over four years. Um, What are your thoughts on that, Wayne Spoonie? So, I have mixed feelings. I will say, Smart has this narrative about him that he's one of the worst shooters in the NBA. Over the last three years, he shot roughly 35% from three. I mean, that's not great, but it's totally serviceable. Uh, His defense slipped a little bit last year, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, if Tim Hardaway Jr. is making $20 million a year, if Evan Fournier is making $20 million a year, I don't, you know, I think Smart's going to be an average starting point guard. And your average starter salary with the cap where it is now is, you know, a little over $15 million a year. So I think 17, it sounds like a lot, but I think people need to adjust their expectations a little bit. $15 million is like, 12% 12% of the cap, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so 17's like, you know, a little more than that, maybe less than 20% of the cap. I mean, it's not that much money in comparison to what you have available to you. So it sounds like a lot. Smart's a flawed player, but he's a very good player. So I'd be okay with it. And he's a Celtic, you know, he bleeds green. There's, you know, that's important to me as a mm-hmm. longtime fan. Also, just the notion of not letting yet another free agent walk out the door. Right. um, Or just even being open to the possibility of that. If we can re-sign him, we're in control of his fate, whether he sticks around or not. 17 is a nice chunk of change. Joe, who does this podcast regularly, always talks about having correct change for trades and how over the last few years, we've never really been in that position. 17, it's it's a nice number. It's got a nice ring to it. I think that we could potentially not- not that I want to go down the rabbit hole of you know trading smart too deeply, but it's a nice tradable chunk of change there. Um, yeah. And just the, the notion of smart actually being the defined starting point guard and not just like a fill-in in case of injury, 
we know he's a solid playmaker. We know he can execute out of the pick and roll really well. He's not last season, but in seasons prior, his pull-up three-point shooting percentage was actually like close to elite, which is bizarre. Not that we yeah. want him doing that as part of our regular offense, but like he, he does have shooting chops uh, to some degree. Um, and I'm excited to see him run the offense for Ime Adoka. I think there's enough sort of change afoot there to make that an interesting concept. And as opposed to someone like Dennis Schroeder, who we'll, we'll get to, I'd much rather have someone as solid as, as Marcus Smart as a starting point card compared to whoever else is available, I suppose. Yeah, and, and one thing I'll say is uh, if we do make a big splash with for like Bradley Beal, we'll say, Smart locked up on that number for four years is going to be a lot more attractive as an asset yeah. than Smart as, you know, a guy who's under contract. You know, if we do the deal at the trade deadline, he's under contract for two more months, right? So mm-hmm. if the Wizards are like, we don't want Smart, go get another asset for him. He's a lot easier to say, hey, Warriors, do you want this 27-year-old guy who's under contract for four more years? Toss us a, you know, a ex- couple expirings and two firsts. You can have Smart, and then we can flip those two firsts over to the Wizards. So he's got a lot more value as a, a tradable asset if we do make a big deal like that, if he's locked up. Yeah, so it's interesting that apparently, according to Mark Murphy, the offer's been made and the Celtics are waiting to hear back from his agent. You can imagine from Marcus Martin's agent's perspective, they're like, well, what are your plans for me exactly? Because if you're going to trade me, then I'm not re-signing with you because I want to control my own destiny. Yeah. Um, So Brad's a new uh, president um, slash GM. Well, he's just the president. Let's be clear about that. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how he plays that and whether or not, I guess he's like, willing to like lie to Marcus Smart or not or <laughs> and how that affects his relationship with players across the league so um we'll see Time Lord is another player that's also up for ex- extension he's extension eligible um what do you think happens with him not just as far as us wanting to keep him as our starting center but as far as what how that might affect sort of plan a b and c that we talked about earlier yeah, so um, it, it gets real tricky on Time Lord's number because uh, his cap hold, so the cap hold is essentially what we pretend your value is for when your contract ends. Uh, so next offseason, Time Lord's contract will end. He won't count against our cap for his actual contract number. It'll actually be more than that. So that's his cap hold. It's around $10 million. so he will eat into our cap next offseason, even though he's unsigned, for $10 million, which, you know, makes things a little tricky if we're trying to clear max space. Uh, I do not think we will extend him for the simple fact that the he it's such a risky proposition to extend him due to his injury risks that yeah. we will try to lowball him. And I think he will rightly want to bet on himself because mm-hmm. if he stays healthy, he's such an impactful player that he will deserve, you know, if he stays healthy, he will deserve more than what we'd be willing to pay. So I see us kind of playing the string out and we can always resign him next off season. We have his bird rights. He's a restricted free agent. So if someone tries to hand him an offer sheet, we can always match it. So we're really in the driver's seat with bringing Time Lord back if we want to. So that's how I think that plays out. And, yeah. you know, he's always there as a... He's, I think he's got some decent trade value as well. Definitely. Yeah, so, so much potential. And yeah, if he can get over that health hump that's bothered him in the last few years, we're almost like the beneficiary of him 
not extending and betting on himself because if he does succeed in that and he does have a good year, then in the short term, like that spells success for the Celtics yeah. this season, right? So um, yeah. it's almost a win-win for the Celtics. We can we can hardly fuck that up, I suppose. So, um, <laughs> well, but, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, touch wood. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, Chris, yeah, Chris Forsberg wrote an article on this, and uh, obviously, I'm not going to quote it word for word, but he, he kind of made a case for extending Rod Williams in that, um, like, you could probably lock him in for like 13 or 14 million per year, and that his cap hold is around sort of 10, 11 million dollars at the moment and so like you're not really sort of affecting your uh, your more long-term cap sheet in that sense and you're signing it with what we know to be a decent player what we hope to be a healthy player uh more long term and then of course there's that trade value that you mentioned as well spoonie so um gonna be interesting to see how that works out and anything else that you want to mention on the time lord or smart situation before we move on no i don't think so i i don't think so i think yeah i don't i Expect Smart to take the extension. I I think that's about a good number for him. And, you know, we've had him for so long. I think he'll want to stick around. But to your point, you know, we'll see what Brad tells. If Brad lies to him, he'll definitely sign that <laughs> extension. Or Time yeah. Lord, I just don't think it's going to happen. Interesting. And look, it'll probably all change by the time we put this podcast up on the uh, on the internet there. So we'll see. Yeah, the um, opposite will happen yeah. tomorrow, I'm sure. <laughs> so we talked about the plan, A, B, and C. Who who are we plugging into this plan? So, you know, whether it's Beal or an equivalent to Beal, who are the, the 2022 free agents and or disgruntled stars that the Celtics, you know, might make a move for? Uh, I think okay, other than Beal, I think uh, Levine just came out and said the Bulls are like disrespecting him. Yeah, that's right. I don't. Levine has played in a way in the playoffs that makes me far more interested in him next to the Jays than I otherwise would have been. Do you he's mean really in the Olympics? Been, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, in the Olympics. He's been he's been defending. He's kind of been facilitating a little bit. Uh he's doing things I didn't really think he had in him as a player. So uh I would not hate if Levine goes scorched earth and says, you know, you could have renegotiated and extended me bulls, so I'm out of here. I would be totally open for Zach Levine. I mean, he's going to be, I believe, an unrestricted free agent, so he can choose where he goes. Hmm. Uh, and then I do think there's kind of, I think Minnesota's a ticking time bomb, man. I think, I know they brought in Kat's best friend with D'Angelo Russell, but he's not, he's just not that good. Yeah. So I think he's kind of floating out there. I mean, I don't think, you know, the sub went crazy for Dame. I, I just, I don't think that's realistic at all. Well, yeah. And you talk about Olympic performances. Um, Zach Levine's look great. Dame has not looked good at all. So nope. in terms of what he looks like uh, among a sea of stars and, you know, it's not a sea of stars in Boston, but the Jays are up there. Um, it's not, it's not a good paragraph on his resume i suppose um but yeah. you, you mentioned kyle anthony towns and and the t wolves there so a reddit user jd morno made a post the celtics are going to trade for kyle anthony towns of course they labeled this post um with the fluff flare so um you know take everything with a grain of salt here but it basically goes on to say you know history is going to repeat itself and before the 2008 season the celtics made trades for ray allen and kg um and then sort of goes on to compare the package for kg then to a package a similar package that we could provide now in the similar uh situation for cat there so um i guess as far as like positionally spoons like uh, in terms of who we could acquire what do you think's a better fit for the Celtics? Is it a you know a, a semi dominant big man, uh, or is it a, a high scoring guard like Bradley Beal? 
So I think people are overstating how bad Beal's fit is with the Celtics. Beal is a wonderful off-ball player. He mm-hmm. runs off screens, he hits spot-ups, and he can do all the stuff you want you know, a primary or secondary ball handler to do. So I think Beal would actually be a wonderful fit because it seems like we're really saying, Tatum, offense is yours, go nuts. So Beal would be great in that role. Overall, though, offensively, I do think Cat is a better fit because how how do you defend a Tatum-Cat pick and roll? I mean, Cat yeah. <laughs> can roll, he can pop, you can't switch it because Tatum will roast your center. Or Cat will just say, you know, Tatum will just back it out and Cat can post up whoever your small forward is guarding Tatum. So I think offensively, Cat would be would make the Celtics completely unstoppable. Mm. Our defense might take a hit. Yeah, but, I was going to say, he's not tall. for his defense. <laughs> no, he's, <laughs> he's not. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Taco Fall is tall as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, he spotted Westbrook in that <laughs> one true. random game. Yeah, well, what am I saying? He's dominant, of course, defensively. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the other side of the fence, Reddit user Chinese Fox 97 wrote, I may be in the minority here, but I would much rather have most of our core intact and have about $20 million to spend in free agency on other role players that could help us rather than lose our entire roster for Beal. Um, I, I could definitely see the upside to that. It's just looking back over like finals teams over the last sort of 10, 20 years. Outside of, I guess, the Pistons in 04, the one that sort of comes to mind, there's rarely been a team that's, you know, some teams have been successful in making it to the finals, but in terms of championship teams, they've got those sort of three max-ish players are sort of spearheading whatever team ends up winning the title that year. And I think that, you know, um, until we get a big enough sample size to the contrary, that's the direction we've got to head in, unfortunately. unfortunately, Yeah, and I'll say... Why not just bring back Fournier if that's, you know, what you want exactly. to do, right? Yeah. I mean, are you going to get a better player for $20 million? You got to overpay for free agents, right? Because everybody's bid- bidding on them. So if we wanted to do that, we should have just re-signed Fournier. We could have extended Smart and we could have extended Time Lord and we would have been in business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so moving on, Steve Bullpett, friend of the show, actually tweeted out recently, the Celtics are comfortable with Marcus Smart as a starter, underrated distributor, as for some questionable shots versus everything else he brings, it's like the old story. Tell me you've heard this story before, Wayne Spoon, because I haven't. The story goes, our father's crazy. He thinks he's a chicken. Have you taken him to a psychiatrist? Hell no. We need the eggs. Like, I get it. Like, but it lines up, but I've never heard that before. I also have not. I mean, Steve's <laughs> a little bit older than us. I mean, we're yeah. pretty old, especially for Reddit, but <laughs> Steve's even older than us. So I have not heard that one, but I actually wrote a pretty detailed post about smart strengths and weaknesses as a primary ball handler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Tatum, uh, that's actually, I think, what I'm going to write about next is Tatum, uh, what he will need to do to emerge as a true kind of hub of an offense. But I think Tatum will take another step as a primary ball handler. I think Horford being able to space the floor and pull the center out of the lane, and he's an amazing passer, and Rob's an amazing passer, and you think Jalen will probably take another, you know, even if it's a small step in his playmaking. So Smart's kind of a flawed point guard in that he can't really break his man down and get into the lane like even someone like Drenish Schroeder can, but he's smart. When he gets an advantage, he knows how to take advantage of it. 
and he's got amazing vision. He really does have underrated vision. So, and man, we could have a hell of a defense with Smart starting at point guard instead of Kemba. So, oh yeah, I, yeah. I like it. I I think it's worth it to see. I mean, you got to see what you got at some point with Smart at point guard. And I think it's finally time. Let's just see how he does for a season. We're not, you know, we're not winning the championship. We might as well see what we got. Yeah, absolutely. And with the your comment there on Tatum as a, a you know primary or backup ball handler there. I feel like in the last two come from behind victories that the Team USA have have done, unfortunately against Australia very recently, um, which we won't talk about, um, partially the catalyst for the, the comeback for uh, Team USA has been Tatum not shooting so much and actually driving and dishing and things like that. Um, it's clearly a strength of his. It's not something that he executes very regularly. Hopefully, Ime Odoka can like hone in on that. Um, we saw it, I guess, a little bit last year under Brad Stevens. Hopefully that's sort of um, more of a, of a repeated occurrence um, in this season because we we're definitely going to need it. Um, can you make a case for the current roster as like a four or five seed as they currently stand? I absolutely can make a case for this. <laughs> Let's hear it. And I'm prepared to. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. So I think if you're replacing Kemba with Smart full time, and you're going big on the wings. Let's say Neesmith starts, if Richardson starts, Brown, Tatum, Rob, with Horford instead of Tristan Thompson. So our defense was the reason we were bad last year, right? 100%. Yes. We were 13th in defensive rating. <laughs> That's Top very half surprising. Of the league. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? So if you're saying, I think that that lineup could be a monster on defense an absolute monster right the offense i don't think it'll get any worse i mean it's not like we were good on offense last year we were around 13th actually we were 10th so i don't think the offense will get too much worse so if you're saying our defense is going to be a lot better the sixers were about the 15th best offense and the second or third best defense Mm. and they had the best record in the east So if we can get up into the top five on defense, even if our offense is kind of middling, that's, you're close to a 50-win team. Yeah, that's an exciting notion. And then I think if you, not that we should expect a bump from one of either Pritchard, Neesmith, or Langford, but if you get that, or if you get a slight bump from two of them, Suddenly, the fact that we didn't sign anyone impactful in free agency, it's like, well, it doesn't matter because we've got these impactful guys that we've had all along. Starting to sound like a bit of a homie here, but that's the sort of stuff that we've got to hope for, um, for our team to really be humming along. And yeah, I mean, we're correcting our defensive inefficiencies, really. And at the same time, in not signing anyone, we're giving a platform for those three young guys I just mentioned to succeed. Um, And if nothing else, become tradable. So... um, fourth or fifth seed i think um there's a lot to consider there like just how is the bulls roster for example going to fit together um was the end of the hawks season fluky or you know gonna be that good yeah there you go these are the answers we're looking for so but you can definitely make a case and i think you've made a strong case there um we are going to move on because i've got a bit of a laptop battery issue here i'm down to nine percent started with a (laughs) hundred so something's going on here so um (laughs) Another tweet from Ryan Bernardoni, he said, I'll just say that if the Celtics are playing for 2022 free agency, they better fucking land the big fish because if they punt this season and then lose their free agency by prioritizing, sorry, lose their free agents by prioritizing someone else who doesn't come, you can just start planning the inevitable Jays trades. 
which is maybe the most grim thing I read on the internet over the last week. And it was probably the the tipping point for me, just sort of shutting the laptop and, and stepping away for a little bit. Um, do you see it as a high risk at this point for the Jays to eventually depart based on what's happened or not happened over the past week? Or I personally think it's way too early to start making that declaration. Yeah, I absolutely agree that it's way too early to start making that declaration. And what I will say is it depends on how much they trust Brad. Uh, because if we strike out in 2022, 2023 is absolute. No one's going to want to hear this, but 2023 <laughs> is absolutely loaded yeah, free agency absolutely. class. And we would have, ab- we would totally have max space. Uh, and they'd still, even Jalen would be under contract for another year after that, I believe. So mm-hmm. if Brad can convince them, like, look, I know we struck out, you know, maybe he grabs short term like the lakers used to just give kcp one year 18 million dollar deals to keep him on the team you know if we can grab some guys like that stay competitive in the fifth you know fourth fifth seed uh you know neesmith pops or romeo pops or something like that and we say you know we are we'll hit in 2023 then i think they're that we're in good shape and that's two years down the line so i'm not gonna start freaking out about the jays leaving just yet and if the jays do request a trade that will suck but we will get the mother load of assets (laughs) if we trade one of them so it's not like we're gonna be left holding the bag like we better not let them walk because if they let them walk i might become a hawks fan or something but you know either trade them or build around them that's a whole other podcast what's what team yeah, you right? jump ship to um <laughs> yeah it's yeah we've, we've seen it you know in recent nba history these sort of divas your hardens your durants who um have that kind of leverage to not only request a trade but request a trade to a specific team we rarely see that with players who are on their rookie extension contract um the jays are too young i don't think they have got that clout yet like maybe tatum is, is working towards that point but i don't think that they're at like trade me to this team now sort of level i think that we can work with them. We heard that they were consulted and smart as well on the Udoka signing. You've got to imagine that Brad sat down with them and was like, this is the plan. We want you guys to be on board with this. If we can just be patient for a little bit, then I think that's going to pay dividends you know, in the near future. You've got to imagine they were consulted and are aware of the, the team's trajectory. I mean, you really think they're going to give them one year, right? I mean, I think like, hey, do you guys want this coach? Yeah, okay. Oh, it didn't work for one year. I'm out of here. I yep. mean, that just seems... I don't know. I'm not ready to sound the alarm yet. We better move on because my battery life is sounding its alarm. Uh, the Enos Cantor signing a one-year minimum deal, uh, averaged a double-double last year with the Blazers, 11 points, 11 boards, and just 24 minutes per game. Uh, Fongos immediately declared, this makes us contenders. Um, what no are your doubt. thoughts on the Cantor signing? <laughs> Uh, so I don't think Cantor's very good, but what I will say is even if he's not very good, he's a massive upgrade on Tristan Thompson. Mm -hmm. Tristan Thompson was one of the worst, uh, players at finishing putbacks. Cantor led the league on number of putbacks. So he's a wonderful offensive rebounder and he rebounds where he's in a position to put them back. He was around 70, 70th percentile finishing putbacks. Tristan Thompson was absolutely one of the worst role men in the league. He was 18th percentile at finishing pick and rolls. That's terrible. There's like point guards who are better than him. Cantor, totally acceptable, well above average at the 70th percentile. So Cantor, not very good. 
huge upgrade on Tristan Thompson, who is our second big man. So mm-hmm. I like Cantor as a third big man. He's got a big body. You know, he can defend NB a little bit in the post. So even if we signed him just for that matchup, it's a worthwhile signing for the veteran minimum. Extremely talented third string big man, really, who uh, situationally can be bumped up into a second string uh, big yep. man there. So no issues and obviously no real impact on the cap situation, given that it is a vet minimum there So uh, and for one year. So no issues there. And you know, from, a, from a meme standpoint, from a social media standpoint, uh, I believe uh, Forsberg and, and Kant also had their own podcast there as well. So there's a lot yep. to gain from this signing. Um, but certainly not the gift we wanted to unwrap um, throughout free agency so far. But um, we'll take what we can get, it seems. We need those socks for the sock draw. Um, That's right. Some quick missed points before we wrap this one up. So Woj announced today uh, the Milwaukee Bucks assistant coach, Ben Sullivan, has agreed to a deal to join Ime Adoka's new coaching staff with the Boston Celtics. Uh, Sullivan is another in a long line of well-regarded Mike Budenholzer assistants. Um, did you know anything about this guy before today? Uh, any thoughts on that signing at all? Top five assistant coach in the league, as far as I'm <laughs> <Easily>. concerned. <laughs> yeah, easily. Uh, yeah, I did not. <laughs> Apparently, he's like a, a shot doctor, um, which you know for Sweet. Romeo Langford could be uh, important. Um, I looked at a photo of him today, and the, my only thought was it looks like he can control things with his mind. <laughs> he looks <laughs> like he has telekinesis. I don't know why. That's just the first thought that popped into my mind. Uh, so. Whether or not that benefits the I'm Celtics, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm in, baby. And, and just quickly, I guess, to wrap up, um, what are your thoughts on the, the notion that Wick and the ownership team um, are cheap and are perpetually unwilling to, to spend enough for this team to, to form a contender? Um, I think that uh, there's some truth to that. I really mm-hmm. do think. I think they're in the lower half of richest owners. I mean, I understand there's being financially responsible to maintain flexibility but then there's also an unwillingness to spend and we have had some teams recently where i think that you know their reluctance to spend might have held us back a little bit um that said i mean if they're in the next couple years they can totally change that narrative and i hope they do but i do think there's some truth to it but I don't think it's fatal to being a championship team yet. Yeah, you, you would hope that in line with the plan that we've spent this whole podcast discussing that they are willing at some point to, to jump into the tax if necessary to, to form that team. It certainly seems like they're poised to do so um, and that there's maybe more to their decision in not doing so in the last year or two. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we've got to wrap this one up. Wayne Spoony, are there any other points you want to bring up before we end the show? I will just say, uh, I hope that we sign Dennis Schroeder. I think he'd be a nice fit for what we need off the bench. But other than that, I, I do not have anything else for you, Ben. It was a good time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for coming on. All right, look, for a period where absolutely no NBA basketball has been played, there's certainly a lot to discuss. That's definitely going to do it for this one. Wayne Spoony, love your work, mate. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Or okay. one guy. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you're a fan of the show, subscribe, rate, share, all that good stuff. We will be back right after the upcoming Summer League game. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.